Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Hi. You know that movie you always wanted to see, but you didn't for whatever reason? Well, I call those black hole films. Everyone has them, and this podcast aims to do something about that. I'm Jeremy Lalonde, and every episode I'll be joined by one or more guests to watch a film that at least someone in that group hasn't seen. We'll talk about our expectations of it before it, and then our thoughts after it. This is episode 59, and I'm joined by the always lovely Jessica Greco, who has an award-winning short film going around right now called Jessica Jessica. She's also been in The Animal Project on a show called People of Earth, and she has an upcoming part in my film The Go-Getters. And we're going to sit down and watch a film together. All right, so we're sitting down to watch The Big Chill. I'm Jeremy. I've seen this movie a few to- quite a few times. I'm Jessica, and I have not seen this movie. But you've seen the first, what, 12 minutes? Yeah, I think I've seen the first 12 minutes of it recently. Um, I think over the holidays it was on TV, and I had a quiet moment in my family's house and, and happened to have the remote control and oh, started watching it. Oh, this will be it. better. You're going to watch it with a great sound system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that was what Especially this movie. It started out that way for the first 12 minutes, and then all my family came home and just wanted to talk about the movie and other things and turn on music, and so I shut it down. So outside of the... 12 minutes you've seen. Yes. Um, what did you know about the movie prior to that? I, it's funny because I, I don't even know if I'm, if what I know about the movie is this movie or another movie I haven't seen, but I believe, because <laughs> there's a few The other one's Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Well, it's not the same movie. <laughs> that I have seen. Jessica Rabbit, I saw. Um, no, I think someone dies. And this is like all of their friends coming to a, like a summer home on Cape Cod or something to basically... Um, grieve them is what I understand it to be, and the cast is, you know, everyone's everyone's personal favorite actor in one movie. Is yeah, that's a fair. The, all those things are true. Yeah. Uh, okay. Good. And also, I don't think this spoils only spoil spoils. That's the word. Anything. Um, it's also this is probably not factually accurate, but I'm going to say it anyway. Okay. It's it's definitely one of the movies that really pioneered the idea of a soundtrack. Oh, in okay. In terms of like needle drop music throughout. Yep. And this one is just full of amazing fucking music. Well, I'm really excited because my favorite films are often ensemble pieces, and what I understand this to be is sort of like an equally handed ensemble. This is kind of like one of the best ensemble pieces. Well, then I'm going to love it. I, it's, I don't want to set this up too high, but do you know who the dead person is? Like no, who plays the dead person? I don't. I don't. I, I won't ha- say anything. I, I think I can guess at who is in the cast. I think Jeff Goldblum is in the cast. Yes. I think that William Hurt is in the cast. Yes. Yeah, I think that, is that true or am I confusing with broadcast news? I believe William Hurt's in the cast. I'm, just, I'm really upset find with myself. Out. I'm really upset with myself that um, I can't remember and off the top of my head. And I think like Yeah, William Hurt's in the cast. Some other like Kevin Costner type is in the cast. I can't remember. That, that, like I'm guessing because I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to. Uh, you kind of guess something, but I'm not going to say. Okay, anything. don't say anything. It doesn't really give anything. Kevin Costner is the dead person. Oh, but you never see his face. Oh, so it's, not, it's, it's just voice. more of a trivia thing. No, there's no voice in there. But then, there. how do we know it's Kevin Costner? You don't. It's just one of those like facts that came out after. Like, I oh, see. that was because I guess there's deleted scenes that came out. And that's the latent piece of information that my brain grabbed and stored. Probably, maybe it was, yeah. but, but the fact that you brought it up means that you heard that somewhere, somewhere. And, and nuggets stored yeah. in there. The only reason why I told you is because you brought you, you said the exact name. <laughs> um, yeah, what else did I say? There's not much, I don't want to say too much, because it's one of those movies that 
You know, it doesn't really have a plot. Oh, he's, it's a suicide. I think I, I think that to be I'm true. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Maybe it's a suicide. Maybe, maybe it's aliens. That's... Oh, I hope it's aliens. Maybe it's an alien suicide. Oh, I hope it's not an alien suicide. Uh, you're going to be very disappointed. Uh, we should watch something else. Damn it. Mars Attacks it is. <laughs> Shortcuts it is. Oh, I wish. Three, two, two, one day. We will watch Shortcuts okay. another day. Uh, all right. Let's dive in. What, okay. what were you going to say? Well, I was going to say, like, do, do you love this movie? Is this one of your... Uh, I love it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah, this one, when this came out on Criterion, it was, I got it right away, because it's so... I wanted a nice, beautiful Blu-ray copy with the 5.1 surround and all Oh, it's the, getting sexy. Okay. It's sexy. Well, it's just, when you see, when you hear this, it's like, this is a movie you want to hear. Okay. As much as you want to see. And not in the sense, it's got this amazing, like, sound design. It's just... It's just full of, like, I grew up on my parents' music. You know, I didn't know yeah. that there was new music on the radio until I was probably 12, because I just grew up on mu- music from the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. And so this is like, this, even though this isn't my era, this is the music of my childhood. Okay, let's play it now. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. So we just finished, mm-hmm. and I mean, I loved it. You're right; I absolutely loved it. You said at the very beginning it doesn't really have a a story. It doesn't because it just kind of ends. The weekend's over. Yeah, it just ends. stops. Yeah. Jeff Goldblum makes the joke about how we're never gonna leave, <laughs> and, and maybe that's laugh, true. And the credits roll. I'd love a, a story thirty years later. We're like, oh, they didn't. No, they're just all still there. And the kids never came home. You know what's so interesting about that is halfway through, I started thinking about you and I in Utah. Um, uh, a few years ago, we were there for film festivals, yeah. and we went and saw a movie together called The Intervention that Clea Duvall... Yeah, yeah, it's very similar. And that sort of felt like the next generation. Like, had they not left, they would have turned it... Like, these people would have been their, their sort of... That movie was very their, much our big chill. Yeah, um, the next incarnation. Was, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, you know, I think this was definitely one of the best, you know, ensemble films... Uh, of, the, of its type, and I think it probably started and inspired a lot of ensemble films. I know, like when I, you know, when I made Orgy, How to Plan an Orgy in a Small Town, like this is definitely one of the films I watched. Is, is really just like well, just research to see how you balance a story mm-hmm. and how you try to keep things even amongst the giant cast. Um, I mean, I think that movie has a bit more of a, a linear storyline than this one does. Uh, not that that's a bad thing or a good thing, but it's like this movie is just interesting because it just feels like a series of meals and conversations. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and there's a bit of a story. I mean, you got you've got um, Mary Kay Place's story about trying to get one of them to knock her up. Yep. That's the romantic way of saying. <laughs> is that the romantic way of saying? Yeah. It's, uh, and also, it's kind of a moot point now, looking back on it, because people ask their friends for sperm. Or to be uh, to be surrogates, yeah, all the time now, <clears throat> and it's done medically. It's not like, well, I need you to have sex with me. I think back then you could have done it that way too. Um, I mean, I don't know. I think they got caught up in the in the, in the idyllic romanticness of the weekend. But also, you get the sense that these are all people that went to school in the seventies. And that they all kind of shared each other. Yeah, yeah. Like, Everyone feel, sort of hooked up a little bit at some point. <clears throat> you know, so mm-hmm. I got the sense that of this particular friend group, this wasn't that bizarre of a request. I did find that a bit strange, though, how unbelievably forgiving Kevin Klein's character 
is. Of his wife's affair? Of his wife's affair, of his wife's, like, even when, when, um, you know, his best friend dies, who had the affair with his wife, he sort of, he, there's no sort of, like, mixed emotions about it. He'd been living he was, in the house. He'd been helping him. And so then when his wife comes to him, is like, I have a favor to ask. Fuck our friend so that she can have a baby. There's, like, no fight. He's perfectly, like, charming and jovial and easy breezy about it. Like, Yeah, and that's what's kind of interesting in the movies. You don't get that backstory of, was there something going wrong in their relationship that she strayed? Or, but you also have the sense that they almost always had this thing with each other. Yeah, that's what they say. They say there was sort of this like unrequited love affair that was brewing constantly. And, and at one point, William Hurt's character says to him, like, yeah, but she married you. You know, they, yeah. she married you. She may have always been into him, but she married you. And it's almost like she needed to get out of her system. Yeah, I mean, it's that road less traveled kind of thing. Like, you always sort of wonder. And then inevitably in those scenarios, you stray only to find out that, like, it really wasn't. Yeah. The it's thing, all, the be all end all is just different. Well it's the old Hitchcock thing, it's like there's no there's there's no joy in like the explosion, it's all the anticipation. Oh absolutely. Or, or the gun, it's all the the romance of it and whatnot. Absolutely. Yeah. Um you know, and everybody really had defined sort of I don't wanna say stock characters, but they felt um familiar in their archetype. Sure. Yeah, you've got Jeff Goldblum plays the Jeff Goldblum character. Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> he always had the smallest coffee cups. I don't know why. <laughs> this time around, I'm like, I really noticed. He's also a giant human. He's very tall. He's very tall. He's very lanky. He's very um, strange. So I super I, thin. That one scene when they're all dancing in the kitchen when they're putting the dinner away, I, I noticed for some I'm like, God, he's super thin. But he's. Like, he, the kind of acting that he does is so in the moment. So I feel like he probably, like, in the moment chose the smallest coffee cups. I don't know if you noticed this, but at the funeral, he was eating off of other people's plates. Oh, yeah. He was, like, pulling food off of other people's plates. At no point is it referenced. No one notices no. in the scene. But you just see him, like, picking, like, cherry tomatoes off of someone else's plate. I think plate. he does. Yeah, it's all just detail stuff that I feel like he's always doing to keep himself interested. And occupied. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I like that about it. Um, there was, like, the dissatisfied, like, wife who had become sort of less than uh, what she had aspired to be. There's the, the the film star who's kind of flailing and without direction and rudder. Or just more like, he, <clears throat> yeah, he's the TV star. Yeah. I wouldn't say the film star. He's TV the, star. He's the Tom Selleck of his he, generation. Tom Selleck was a big star. Uh, no, I'm not saying, I, no, I love Tom Selleck. I'm just saying that he's, like, that type of... right. But not even Tom Selleck. Tom Selleck is the good version. Of yeah, it. he's the bad. There's the you know the the guy that you know never really left college is sort of like doing drugs and floating around. Uh, like yeah, they all sort of seem to fall into. Glenn Close was the only one actually that I really sort of was like, what's going on with her? There was so much of her story that I just wanted more of. Meg yeah. Tilly is amazing, by the way. Isn't she? She's so bizarre. In this movie, it's like they this predates the manic pixie dream girl, but in like in a in a lesser movie, that's what she would be, right? You know, uh, but she's she's a bit more than that because she's I don't know. There's something about her that transcends that for me in this movie. Um, but you can see how like the watered down version of this movie. That's exactly she'd be the one that all the guys are fawning over. Well, they are in this. They are, but she's got this quirkiness to her where she's a little bit off. But, like, she's almost, like, she's the most sexualized character, but she's completely asexual in a weird way. Well, I think there's also this weird 
force field around her because she is the deceased's She's like the widow. girlfriend. Yeah. So everyone sort of gravitates towards her because they want to comfort her. And then they realize that she actually doesn't need comfort. She's kind of perfectly... Yeah. comfortable and she's the outsider to the group yeah so she doesn't need them and and because of that they're all like you know spanish fly they're all sort of drawn to her on some level yeah that's true that's interesting except for and when the richard is the opposite the uh the husband of uh karen what's her name, the character's name uh, oh um the 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 uptight husband that it leaves yeah yeah who makes the mayonnaise and turkey sandwich? And I am not convinced there's turkey on that sandwich. I think it was just, just mayonnaise. A mayo sandwich? Yeah, on white bread with milk. Like, that's the kind of guy that he is, though, right? Ugh. In the middle of the night, he wouldn't even get up and get a drink. He'd get, like, a glass of milk and a mayonnaise sandwich on Wonder Bread. <laughs> just boring and, like. But he was good at raising kids. But was he? She kind of was like, but was he? She. I thought he would be. I thought he would be. He's got that 1980s Lego man haircut. Yeah. Yeah. I want that house. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, if you uh, if your family had slaves, I'm sure you would have that house. <laughs> <laughs> That's a plantation house. Come on. I mean, it's... Yeah, well, it's South Carolina. Yeah. But on the water and... Oh, and, it's gorgeous. And, you know, and it's a similar... It's... Because... The intervention is shot. It takes place in Savannah, and it's also like a big plantation house on the oh, water. Oh, I mean, next time you watch that movie, if you ever watch it again, it, it, you'll just start picking out how many references right. to the big chill there are. Like, right. there's no accident. There's a lot of that movie that just echoes it. I for want sure. so much of that wardrobe. All of William Hurt's wardrobe, I want desperately. Yeah, I don't know. If I ever noticed it in other things of him, but he's got this weird like cut. scar. Scar. Yeah, he's got scar a is a better word. On his on his one cheek, it's like a half moon thing. Maybe it was fresh. Maybe I don't I don't necessarily know if I've noticed it in other movies, but it really stood out in this one. Um, oh, there's some. I mean, there's just so much to talk about in this movie. Although it's, it's interesting because it holds my attention more than a lot of modern movies that are like just action packed. I find action puts me to sleep, right? Because it just becomes monotonous. Where even though there's not really this strong story going on in this movie, it's you're just so drawn in by the characters and the moments and the performances and the way it just slowly unlayers things. Yeah. You know, it doesn't just give you anything on, on a silver platter. You've got to kind of, the movie makes you work for it. I, I really liked the way that it was shot in that it felt like there was always a lot of people in a frame. You know, there was always a lot of people in a frame. Like it felt like you got a sense of how big the house was and how close they were because there was always m- a few of them in a frame, a few of them sitting on a couch, or like six of them sitting in one small room together. Like, yeah, they, they were never more than two feet away from each other. Yeah, you know what? I've never thought about that when I watched this movie. How how there's not really a lot of coverage no. in terms of like close ups and just I guess when people are just on their own or not like in, in their small little pairings and they have moments like that. At the at the top of the film, it's all close ups. When yeah. they're like dressing the body and people are finding out. And they're by themselves. Yeah. I love the little mo- the little touches they do when they're all setting up their bed stands on that first night. Yeah. And you start to see what's in everyone's suitcase yeah. and, and all the little, little details like that are really, really nice. I like how Mary Kate places is like cigarettes and a calculator. Yeah, what's that about? I don't know the calculator go, but I love it. I also love that she brought her briefcase. Like, it's not even luggage that she's That's unpacking. It's just a briefcase, yeah. Who is in desperate need of a child. Because aren't all women at that age, Jessica? Yeah, no, just you're, all women in general. Just over, you start yeah, yeah, screaming yeah. at That's, you? If, if, you ha- if you are, you know, if you identify as a woman, that is what happens. Is You just, you become <laughs> blinded by the need to procreate. 
Yeah. Um, Run! The music in this movie. We were singing the whole time. Yeah, like this is the music I grew up with. Me it's, too. Me too. I realized uh, once I started seeing it that this is like every kitchen party I've ever been in. Yeah. And it's and it's interesting. Like I don't think you could get a soundtrack for not not that I know. Like, I can't I don't know what the the budget for this movie was, but I just imagine that a movie like this um although I guess if it's really star-studded. If you had like the Marvel Cinematic Universe type cast in a movie like this, you could probably get away with the budget that this music would cost you now, or this type, this modern equivalent of this music, right? Just because I think this was back before soundtracks were really, really popular. I think this was, I believe, because I think I purchased a soundtrack as a gift for someone. This was the first big soundtrack that, like, um, I feel like did big numbers in terms of money and or was nominated for things. Like it was a big, and it suddenly made the industry realize, oh, you can make money on yeah. this, and so it yeah. kind of it kind of ruined everything. Or started to, as it just really showed how uh, powerful a soundtrack could be to a movie. That's kind of about because well, it's it's necessary because the movie is so much about nostalgia. It's about this old group of friends coming together, mm-hmm. um, and so all the music is actually from. I assume I don't know if this is true, but I assume all the music they're listening to in the movie is music that they would have listened to at college. in college. Yeah. Because there is a little reference that um, I think Jeff Goldblum's character makes that it's like there's new there's great new music yes. now and Kevin Klein's like no this is only music for me or something yes. like that yes um, uh, what was I gonna say uh, I can't remember <laughs> great conversation Jeff I'm sorry I'm sorry I was gonna say something I was diverging from the music oh what I was gonna say was I'm curious about. First of all, I love where it was shot. I'm obsessed with that part of the country, of of the continent. And the whole time, the first 30 minutes of the movie was me guessing and speculating as to where it was. Where they were. Um, which I was right about listeners, which is South Carolina. Um, but what I was also thinking about is, in terms of making a movie, I mean, it's like a bottle episode of a TV show. Like, they only leave the house a couple of times, and then everything else takes place in the house. Yeah, they go to the cottage, and there's this, this scene at the chapel... At the the top of it, Uh, yeah. Yeah, but the rest of it's all there. Yeah, a couple times they get in a car, but it is all on that property. Oh, it's very much a chamber piece. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it could be a play, really. Yeah, yeah, it really could be. I wonder if anyone's done that, done a community community theater version of The Big Chill. I'm sure. Let's do it. Um, Can we talk for just a brief moment about... Kevin Klein's inconsistent southern accent. Yeah, we can, we can, and I love Kevin Klein. Oh, same here. I have like personal. But every now and then, it's just really thick and heavy, and then there were at least two scenes where he just didn't have one at all. Yeah. Just none. They're just not a great. Sorry, Kevin, but I think you know. You know, you did. Yeah, I mean, he's beautiful in all other aspects of it, but the accent was inconsistent, and strangely, he's the only one with an accent. Like, no one else is doing that drawl. Maybe he's from there. That's the I idea. mean, in theory, he's His from there. His family were slave owners, and, and they the used every- their money to buy a, a, well, a shoe company. They went to school in Michigan, yeah. and everyone else is, like, flying back to different parts of the country. Yeah. So, no one else is... The only reason the funeral is being held there is because um, that's where he was living at the time when he passed away. Yeah. But, yeah, no, the accent is all over the road. It's bizarre. Yeah, well, you get the sense they haven't seen each other in a while. Yeah, you do. 
The, the, uh, yeah, it's really interesting because I know I have those friends that I haven't seen in a while, but really, like, no time has passed yeah. when we get together. I have quite a few of them, and it's... But do you have, like, a group of that size? I don't have a group quite like that, um, especially because what's so unique about this is that, like we said, a lot of them feel like they've sort of, you know, been with each other at one point or another. There's really only one couple in the group. Inevitably, you end up with a bunch of other partners that join the group and you either gel with them or you don't. This is pretty exclusively just the group of friends, which doesn't happen as you get older. You have to make room for everyone else's partners. Yeah, well, there's only the one. The two of them are married, the Glenn Close and Kevin Klein. Yeah. And then the rest are all either single or their spouses are not. There, like Kevin, like Jeff Goldblum has a girlfriend, but she doesn't come. Yeah, you see her in the opening scene, or the opening sequence. Um, yeah, but then he's also just some kind of creepy womanizer throughout. And Berenger has an ex-wife and a child. Yeah, and you've got Mary Kay Place is single. Uh, William Hurt is single. Yeah, so at least they they set that up in an interesting way. Yeah, it's interesting. It's like I don't really. I mean, I had this group. That I was tight with in college, but none of us keep in touch now, you know, and I don't know. It's interesting. I wonder if we get together, if one of us, something happened to one of us. I don't know. I have the boys. Yeah. Um, and now I have their wives and their children. So that's why it sort of has grown out of that. But I didn't have the sort of classic college experience, so I can't really speak to it because I didn't have that opportunity. We wouldn't get together and listen to great music, though. We'd just get together and get high and play video games. That would be our, our, our version of Awake. I, what would we, we, we used to listen to music. We still do. Um, nobody really, like, I'm the only one that would get high or drink now because everyone else is, is pretty sober and, it's, it's, it's and pretty, grown up. and grown up. Yeah, and stuff. But we, we would always sit around and talk. That was always our thing. We would just sit around and talk about nothing for hours. We had this great... Um, we used to also get really drunk. Yeah. Really, there, really drunk. There was a street on the other side of the college that I went to, and all and it was just all rental houses for college students, pretty mm-hmm. much, exclusively. And so a bunch of my friends and I, there were six of us, we rented this one house, and we all lived in this house. Uh, and then we were in the film program, and there was a... And then, like, the equivalent of us, the female version of our house, uh, except we had one girl living in our house, um, was down the street. And it's like, and then on really nice, like, fall or spring days, people would, like, everyone would bring their couches out on their lawns, (laughs) and the whole, it would become a street party. Right. Where people would just drift amongst each other's houses. Yeah. Um, I don't know what I'm telling the story, but I, I, I think it's the of, nostalgia of it. No, but it is. I think of that, and I'm like, that was. I really enjoyed that. That really com- a community aspect. And there was like this weird pizza place on the end of the street where you could just kind of wander over if you get the munchies. And there was this convenience store that always sold chocolate bars two for a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. These weird little memories are flooding in. This movie just gives me all the nostalgia bubbles. Yeah, I, I, me and the boys were roommates. A few times, in a few different places, in California and in Toronto, uh, 
Did we ever live together in Vancouver? I can't even remember. I don't think so. But yeah, similarly, it just becomes. But it does. It feels like family. But that's the actor thing, right? Like actors live this extra gypsy yeah. kind of lifestyle that goes on longer than yeah in those college years. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit, and also there's things like pilot season. Like there's a place, it, listeners, in Los Angeles called the Highland Gardens, which is this sort of famous hotel that all the Canadian actors, when they go down for pilot season, stay at. And there was a documentary made about it many, many years ago called there's, Camp Hollywood. There's a TV show made about it. There was a TV show made about it as well. I oh, forget. the LA Complex. I totally forget about that. Well, I lived there, and I lived there with two very dear friends, but also a lot of other actors lived there. So Why did Canadians day. live there? Like, what, what about that place? Um, it's really central. Um, it's, 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 it's furnished rental apartments. There were two. There were, I think it was called the Oakwoods and there was the Highland Gardens and the Highland Gardens is sort of like, like lower rent. Um, but I, but it was, I think also a little cheaper than the Oakwoods. It was just where you wanted to live in the city too. It was right Mm. behind the Grauman's right behind the Kodak. Um, so right in Hollywood. So you could still kind of walk to a few places. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was the Canadian Embassy. And like Vancouver would be in one part of the building and Toronto would be in another and Montreal would be in another. Hilarious. And we just got into lots of trouble. But yeah, all that to say, actors do sort of keep that vagabond lifestyle going longer. But I do find that that sort of nostalgia, because we're thrust into those situations more often, uh, resonates. For me, anyway. Yeah. For me. And also, you know, growing up, I think that's the nature of, like, you see that in this film, like, male-female friendships, there's always this dynamic of, like, will they, won't they? Even if, like, it's clear that to you that it's a, it's a platonic relationship. I think from the outside, um, but it's like not so much now, but, it, but, like, then up until in the last maybe, like, ten years, it wasn't really done. But none of the relationships in this movie are platonic, really. I mean, you look at Mary Kay Play, she tries to get with William Hurt, and he's like, my date doesn't work. Right. Uh, and then she goes through literally all of them, except for poor Jeff Goldblum, who offers himself, and she's like, eh, not so much. Right. I don't want the baby this thing would make. But uh, that's just it. I don't think she's looking to be in love with them. She's looking to make a baby. Yeah, but there's something about Jeff Goldblum that she does not want to have Well, she DNA. slept with him before. Uh, sure. She just doesn't want that DNA mixing with hers. It's very clear that... She you think so? I don't know. I mean, why wouldn't she just automatically go, yeah? Because I think he was a little... Because the way he approached it was kind of gross and off-putting. Yeah. I think that's pretty much the long and short of it. I think that... But at the same time, she's not looking for... Like you just said, she's not looking for romance. That doesn't matter. You still don't have to go... Just because you're not looking for romance doesn't mean you have to go with gross and off-putting. Yeah. But that's what I mean. You can hold out for not that's what I mean. She has enough standards that it's like, not this guy. Yeah, but that doesn't make it romantic. Yeah. I just I just find it interesting that it's like, she seems to like pretend she doesn't have standards about it, but clearly she does. I don't think she pretends to not have standards about it at all. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Yeah, she's, she's going through a list of people she loves very much. Yeah. And she just likes him. <laughs> yeah, and she just finds Jeff Goldblum, and he is like she's watching him flirt oh, shamelessly with um, Chloe. With, yeah, with Meg Tilly's character, the most flexible woman. Oh my god, what was all that about? Can we talk about that? Because no... it's beautiful. She is spectacularly flexible. She's got like you know her joints are um, she's double jointed in places. It's amazing, but 
in no way necessary. I like the casualness of it. Totally. But that's how what dancers do. My sister would do that in the living room. Yeah. Talking to people. Just like throw her leg up over her head. You gotta, keep, you gotta keep stretched. Yeah, well, it's, it's not even. My daughter not a does thing. that. Annie does that. Yeah, she's exactly. Like, she's a little gymnast, nerdy kid, so she'll uh, just break into doing the splits randomly yeah. while you're. Because she's just, you know, feels like a stretch. She's got to do the, you know, the long shots of her mm. just, you know, stretching everything out were, was pretty remarkable. Gotta sell the film in Europe, Jess. Honest to blog. <laughs> That's crazy. How old is she in that, you think? Oh, I might tell you young. Like She's probably in her... Like uh, mid-20s. We, I mean, the internet could tell us if we, if we wanted to look it up. But I, I would... Not, mu- not much more than mid-20s, I would guess. Because they're all... I think they're all in their thir- early 30s? That was my next question, because I had this weird thing with those actors... <clears throat> I know them to be... They're younger than we are now. They're younger than we are now, but I know them to be older, so it's even hard for me now it's to watch them to be like, how old they're... they're but they're, in, they're, they're not our age, me, are right? they? They're older than me. Well, especially when I see the houses they own and stuff. I'm like, good God. He inherited that plantation. I don't know. Uh, I keep on calling it. I really, keep calling it a plantation. But to be fair, there's like I noticed one person of color in the background of the chapel, and that's it. It is a white movie. Well, it's, it's South Carolina. I don't know if you've ever spent any time in South Carolina. I've, well... Lots of love to those in the South, but it's, you know, it has a reputation for a reason. Well, there are people of color down there, but clearly they weren't staying at that house. They didn't go to Michigan State, I guess. Yeah. Not at that time. Uh, or maybe they did. I don't, I'm not casting judgment. <laughs> Let's move on. Fair. Um, I, you said something that triggered something. Um... What were we talking about? The house? Affording it? You called it a plantation? Oh, no. It, it doesn't matter. It's gone. Tripped it away. No! Oh, Making great conversation, Jerry. So great. Um, oh, what else? There's so much. It's just... Uh, I love what it. What else is... Don't no one yell at me. What else has Kasdan directed? Like, what can I compare this against? He wrote uh, Empire Strikes Back. Right. <laughs> um, but directed. His son is Jake Kasdan, who is a great. more modern day director. Amazing. Uh, I'm going to go over the internet because I know this, but my brain is fuzzy because of scotch. We were drinking scotch. Ah. Just a little scotch. Just a little. Oh, it's Kasdan. He's more known as a writer generally. Well, that's what I thought, but he directed this, no? He did. Oh, he's got, when I say he's more of a French kiss. Okay. Another Kevin Klein. Yeah. So they 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 got along after this movie. Not a ton. He did a movie called Body Heat before this. Oh my God. Silverado, The Accidental Tourist. Was Body Heat the one with um with uh 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 what's her name the Canadian Kathleen Turner? No. Was William Hurt, Ted Danson, Mickey Rourke, Kim Zimmer. No, I was thinking of um, Jane Halloran. Whoever was married to Gene Simmons. Don't know. I don't see it in the main cast list. Mm-hmm. Uh, Silverado, Mm-mm. Accidental Tourist, I Love You to Death, Grand Canyon, White Earp, French Kiss, Mumford, Dreamcatcher. Oh, Dreamcatcher. Um, Dreamcatcher, that's what it is. Dreamcatcher was shot here. 
Yes. I, I'm, I'm aware of him because I know people who worked with him on that as a director and were telling me about him as a director. But as a writer, he's much more... Like he wrote the, He wrote The Bodyguard. He wrote Raiders of the Lost Ark, Return of the Jedi, Empire Strikes Back. All the good stuff. All the good stuff. But, uh, so, you know, he's got some money. <laughs> he's doing... Were these guys... Like, was this cast... Because I look at movies like the um, the Breakfast Club or something. I haven't seen Saint Elmo's Fire, but I understand like the concept of the Brat Pack. Were these guys all big stars when this movie went down, or did this help sort of put them on the map? Well, this is nineteen eighty three. Well, they say movie... it's sev- they don't say it's eighty three in the movie. They say they make a like, reference to the seventies. They say it's at the end of the seventies in the movie. The movie okay. came out in eighty three. Oh, okay. So. I don't know when it... That's fair. They, don't, they never really say when it takes place. But, I mean, what is this? Jeff Goldblum, like, what well, we saw when we watched Annie Hall, he has that one little line in the yeah. movie. And that's 77, so this is six years after that. Um, I mean, what have people done up to this point? I just was curious. I mean, like, I assume Where that... Where this falls in people's careers. Um, uh, like, Glenn Close hasn't had her big... Uh, Breakout moment yet? I'm assuming. I don't know that. Glenn Close. Yeah. I'm looking at Goldblum first. Oh, Goldblum. He's got. He's done The Fly at this point. Oh, what year was The Fly? The Fly, I think, was the late '70s. Oh yeah, he's got a ton of credits in the '70s. Yeah, I think most of these people were. So this was an all-star cast then. This was an all-star cast then because well, also I mean this is in Kazan the part of, part of Kazan's career where now they're letting him direct. Right. So he's already written um, Star Wars, Indiana Jones, and Empire Strikes Back yeah. at this point. So this is like him going, I'm directing the next one, and he's also, but it's also what I love about like this is a guy who's gone from. You know, some of the biggest franchises of the time, the era. And, you know, in terms of just the type of writing he's doing with, with movies like Raiders, like these are movies that are still studied today as what amazing, great structure mm. they have in terms of, like, that kind of movie. With Raiders and The Lost Ark, Lost Ar- especially, is a, is a screenplay that's still studied today. Uh, and then you've got this movie that really has no structure, that is not, that is, you know, just a really a character piece, and it just shows what, how diverse he was, um, and, 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 and what a talent he was, and, and it's interesting, because it's, it's night and day, like, if you put these two movies up against each other, you'd never guess that it was the no, same writer. No, not at all. You know, but it also just shows what made, I think, those movies so good, he clearly had a strong grasp on character. Right. And I, and I think that's why, I mean, Raiders is is still, I think, considered the best of the Indiana Jones movies, and I think people still consider Empire the best of the yeah. Star Wars movies. Yeah. And I think that's because those movies are imbued with great character moments, you know, inside of these great sprawling stories. What do you think of his choice to not show Kevin? The the deceased Alex is the name. Alex, of the right? Alex. Yeah, it's Kevin Costner. That's why. That's the body that, sorry. Double. Um, because at the very top we see like pieces of him. We never see his face, but we see yeah. And, dressing. and I so, feel like and who's dressing him? Is it Glenn Close? Oh, I assume that's just the the. No, because there's women's hands and men's hands. Oh, I it's think like, it's the funeral people that. Yeah. That, yeah, I don't think it's okay. I got the sense that it was whoever's 
Because they used to let you do that to dress your loved one. But I was just curious about it. Um, I assumed it was just the funeral home. Cool. Funeral director. But they never, there's no photos of him. Not even at the funeral. We could dive in. I noticed, I was just looking really quickly at the supplements on on the Criterion disc. There's deleted scenes, mm-hmm. so I don't know if any of the Kevin Costner ones are on there. That'd be very interesting. Because I know that, I feel like he did have some scenes in the movie and got cut out. Mm-hmm. Um, you can reach rush to the internet and, and, and look that up. But what do you think about that? Like, the choice to not... Show him? Show him. And especially because well, I everyone think... in the movie so disconnected from him. Like, they're sort of all talking about how they had lost touch. They didn't know why he quit his jobs. They didn't know what he was up to. Like, there's this real sense of disconnection, and you never see him. I think the key... There's a couple key things to it. I think there's the line that um, Richard character has where he says about how none of these people look like how I pictured them in my right. head the way you described them. Right. And you laughed when he's like, I can't imagine what they think God looked like based on how you described me. Yeah. And she makes these... She looks away and makes this eye... This great moment with her eyes... Uh, but there's something to that in the sense that, you know, we get a sense of who Alex is through how these people remember him and they talk about him. Right. And so the movie's not about Alex. And so showing him doesn't really help us because it's not about that. It's about who he was to them. And so by not giving us any moments where we got to see him and form our own opinions of him, all we're left with is the opinions of the people that he left behind. Who all echo the sentiment that they didn't really know him as well as they would have liked to or could have. Which I think is just really a metaphor for them trying to figure out if they know themselves. Right. At this point in their life. Right. Which is, I think, Lena Dunham has this great essay inside of the the disc um, that talks about how this movie is the movie that made her feel like she understood her parents. Um, right. and, and what they were going through and the idea that we were the kids, you know, when we were little kids... We were the ones that were shoveled off in the corners and the parents were off doing things and not realizing, oh my God, these are the conversations my parents were having when I was a kid and I didn't realize what they were going through. Right. You know, you just always figure your parents have their shit together and they know what they're doing. Right. But they're just, you know, we're all just kind of struggling with our own stuff at the same time and then nobody knows what the hell they're doing. Well, it's interesting because their, their kids keep calling throughout the, the course of the film. They, and they and they pass the phone around. It's not like they just want to talk to their parents. They want to talk to... Yeah, they know these people. Yeah. Yeah, they're yeah. like their aunts and uncles. Yeah. It's sweet. I like that about that. I wonder if that's how it's going to be f- for, like, your kids. You know what I mean? Like, that if that's the next generation. Like, if we are these people. Just with, you know, computers in our hands. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's a different kind of thing, right? Is it's it? It's interesting. I don't know. Well, people don't hang out this way. Like that's just like like this. And what makes this a movie is that this is a special weekend in these people's lives, where this isn't a regular occurrence. You know, it's not. But I hang out this way. I I I would do that. This is something that I've done in the last year. Is like been at a house with like four of my friends. And we just spend, like, the weekend. Gypsy actors. Yeah, a little bit. But there's always, like, a cause. This one was, you know, in this movie, it's somebody died. And at that point, it was like someone had a baby. So we all flew out. Yeah. And just went and spent, like, a week. Oh, I I remember seeing those pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, like, you know, we were drinking and dancing. But we also were not, like, 
you know, doing drugs and having sex because there was two newborns in the house. So it was very like everyone's in bed by 10 and up at six. Like it was a very classy and reasonable, reasonable thing. But there was dancing in the kitchen and, you know, the closest that that I have to this is stuff with my, my mom's side of the family. Oh really? Because she has this huge family and all the cousins are around the same age. And it's not like we do like weekend long excursions, but when we were kids, like we just spent a lot of time together and the adults were more like friends than siblings yep. in a weird way. Yeah. And I and I remember the like the closest and I've always wanted to make a movie about this, but I'm almost scared to write it because it's so personal and so like to do it properly, I had to get into some some heavy stuff. Right. Um, but there was my my one uncle passed away when I was probably in my early twenties. Um, and he was kind of the black sheep of the family, like not in the best of ways. And I just, and my mother had already passed away at this point. And I just remember that weekend, it was a long weekend too. And just everyone being around each other all weekend long and hanging out and just like kind of laughing about the way he was yeah, and just really kind of reveling in the ridiculousness of him yeah, in, in, in a loving, really loving way. Yeah. But it's just like the family kind of bonded in a way that we hadn't in a long time. And we, I just have like really interesting memories of that weekend uh, and all the just really weird specific little things. And, uh, and yeah, and, and I think of like when I watch this movie, I think of that weekend too. I think it should be said as well, because I know that I've experienced this um, with just being around death, is it really allows for you to just do whatever you want. Like it's kind of a carte blanche moment in your life when you're grieving someone that you become in a way kind of a hedonist. Like you drink, you eat, you stay up too late. No one questions you. Yeah. yeah. And there's, I know a lot of people who, you know, have gone through the loss of a loved one and instantly are like sleeping with someone the night of the funeral because it's very life affirming too. Like it's having like, sex is very life affirming to be like, we're still alive. We're still alive. To go to weddings through yeah. similar... Yeah, funerals, weddings, and births are kind of the thing. And, you know, otherwise it's like a family vacay. But I... I so tell us these touchdown moments that make you kind of reevaluate where you are in your life. Yeah, yeah. They're big. They're formative. And um, they force everyone to get together, usually. And that's why we have so many movies about these kind of weekends. But And then there are, though. There are tons of movies about, you know, weddings and... and Funerals and yeah. sometimes four weddings and a funeral. Sometimes, <laughs> really about babies. I guess we were unusual in that regard. But so there you go. You guys should make a movie about that. <laughs> There's a lot to be made a movie about in, in all of that. That's a that's a. I think just we are that kind of relationship that people find fascinating because it kind of is like, how did you all become friends? How, how did this all that last twenty though, years? Twist on that. It's like as opposed to being about death, being about birth yeah and life and everybody shows up to meet the baby and if you have a big enough house everybody stays yeah but it's like and everyone seems seemingly excited about the baby but mm. it also means different they've got things. their own stuff going on yeah you get the one the, the person who's wanting to have a baby but can't and people who don't want kids that have them this movie's writing itself jess <laughs> i like it what else who you recast? You make this movie today. Who do you cast? Oh God, I don't know. That was the thing I was watching and realizing, being like, all of my crushes 
now have like an asterisk next to them because it's like young Calvin, uh, Kevin Klein, young William Hurt. Because I'm not attracted to them now that they're, you know, men Someone called me a young William Hurt the other day. Really? And they're my new favorite person forever. Ooh. Thank you, Kate Hewlett, if you're listening. Uh, I don't know why she said that. I don't know if she was trying to score points, but I really appreciated it. It's not true, <laughs> but I'll take it. I don't know who I would cast. I think I think I would want to cast. Who would you cast? Oh, I don't know. It'd just be a different movie now. It's hard to like go through. Like, who's Jeff Jeff Goldblum? Well, that's what I kind of liked about Intervention. I thought they did a really nice job of assembling a cast that I went, oh yeah, I know all those guys. I like all those guys. Yeah. Um, I mean, I just go. I don't know. Just take everyone from How to Plan an Orange in a Small Town and there you go. You I know, was gonna say cycle them through. I honestly, I think that if you were gonna do something like this again, I would want people who weren't necessarily in the Hollywood zeitgeist in that way. I think yeah. that it would be nice to sort of see a cast of people that you can sort of imbue the characters with a level of authenticity and not be like, oh, it's Chris Evans. Yeah, I'm gonna play that game. So I'm gonna take. Mark O'Brien is Jeff Goldblum. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Because uh, I think you'd normally go with Jonas, but I'm not going to do that. No, no, uh, no. Jonas becomes Kevin Klein? Maybe? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'd yeah. Make, I'd make, I think I'd make Ennis uh, Sam, who it, is the J.T. Walsh, just because I want to yeah, see him try yeah, to yeah. jump into a but car. But then does that mean that Chris Brown is... Um, uh, Chris Brown is, is Kevin Costner. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Poor Brune. No, he would become... Well, you still got... um. What's his name? Well, Chris... Beca- so Christian Brune becomes... Uh, who's the other guy in the movie? William Hurt. Um, J- William Hurt, Jeff Goldblum, um, uh, Tom Berenger. Is there only four of them? No, there's five dudes, isn't there? Richard. For Christian Moon, no. oh, for, he wouldn't be that part though. He'd be, no. good, he'd be good at it. He'd be good at it. Uh, and then Tommy is Meg Tilly. Oh, interesting. No, oh, Tommy's totally the Meg Tilly character, I, really? but she's younger than all of them. Okay, sure. So there's that. I mean, or Katie Isabel would work too. Mm, but Katie Isabel is more the. I think Katie Isabel is. Oh, who would you cast? I'm not going to call her Katie Isabel because I don't know her that well. Miss Isabel. <laughs> Miss Isabel. Uh, well, there's not enough females. There's only three females in the movie. There is, which is... No, there's four. That's not true. There's four. Who's the fourth? There's the one that loves Tom Berenger. There's Mary Kay Place. And there's Glenn Close. And then there's Meg Tilly. Uh, the one who loves Tom Berenger. What's her name? I'm looking up the cast right now so we can use the I think her name's Karen. I want to say her name's oh, Karen. Oh, Joe Beth Williams? Joe Beth Williams. Yeah. Uh, I think that's Jules' part, and then Glenn Close is, um, Lauren Lee Smith, and, yeah, that's a toss-up, does, no, that I, I put Tommy in the, in Mary Kay Place's part, and I'd make Katie Isabel make Tilly's character. That makes sense to me. I like that casting. All right. I'll leave I, it I like that. I won't I, question it. I don't agree with it, but I won't question it. <laughs> I like that I've recast the big show with the cast of How to Plan an Orange. I see. I would make Lauren Lee Smith the big Tilly character. That's the beauty of those those actresses. You could, you could swap I'd them all out. I'd mix it up. Yeah, I feel like we, we need to mix it up a bit because I think that those those ladies can do more. Than I think me. I think if Ennis listens to this, he'll be real happy that I made him Tom Berenger. <laughs> 
And and I want the mustache too. And he would rock it. He would do so well. Oh, can I be Kevin Costner? Because you never see me. Yeah, that's fair. Because you you never see me in How to Plan an Orgy. You can be. uh, Yeah, that works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll keep that consistent. I'll be the friend that dies. You be the friend that dies. Yes, we swap. That's the one swap we do. That's the one gender swap. We do the gender swap with the female. They're all talking about. And you can keep the name as Alex. Yeah, totally. I like it. I definitely had an affair with. Who did you cast as Glenn Close? Oh, so you slept with Jonas. No, Glenn Close. Oh, oh, we're gonna keep that. I like yeah, that. Yeah, keep it all the same. Oh, then you, uh, Lorelei Smith. But I cast Lorelei Smith as Mike Tilly. Oh right. So who did you who did you put in the Glenn Close I role just, then? Oh, who did I put in the Glenn Close role? Katie Isabel. I think I would. Either way, you're winning. You're doing. It's true. You're doing I'm doing well. Oh yeah, I'm doing well for myself. Yeah. I'm making great choices. And I'm gonna direct the movie clearly. Obviously, and uh, write it. You I have to write it. it. No, no, I'm keeping the same script. Oh, okay, perfect. It's it's a pretty good script. It's a shot for shot remake. I'm not. No, no, no. I'll, you know, I'll change the cinematography ever so slightly. <laughs> But uh, no, I'm not going to mess with that script. Are we going to shoot in South Carolina or is it like Hamilton? No, no we're going to shoot in North Carolina. North Carolina. <laughs> we're going to. Just for the sake of it. It's closer to Canada. Fair. Fair. <laughs> Just say. Poxitani. No, it's the. Let's be honest. South this, this, this is, this is going to be shot in Sudbury. Yeah, exactly. So we get the Northern, Northern Heritage Fund. Northern Heritage Fund. I'm fine with that. Yeah, it works. It's yeah. got to be a chamber piece anyway. I like it. All right, we start production uh, next year. I'm really excited. <laughs> I wish I had more lines, but I'm really excited. You'll be in the deleted scenes. Uh, obviously. <laughs> that's, that's, I'm always in the deleted scenes. All right. Well, this is lovely. Thanks for coming over. Thanks for having me. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Thanks for joining us for The Big Chill. If you like the show, please subscribe to the podcast and spread the word about it. You can find me on Twitter at Lalon Jeremy and go to Facebook for Black Hole Films. Leave a review there or an Apple Podcast or wherever it is you listen to this thing. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby.